Pastor Xavier Reese, opting for the simple truths of the bread of life. The Bible is wheat. Everything else is shaft if it doesn't measure up. Very important. Christians are being foolish today, accepting shaft, chewing on it, and spitting out the wheat, rejecting the Word of God, thinking that they are intellectually superior. Listen to me. You reject the Word of God, you're on the wrong road. And it's a very crowded road to hell. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Though Halloween celebrations tend to treat witches and witchcraft as entertainment, spells and sorceries aren't treated lightly in the pages of Scripture. And not surprisingly, the outcome of the King of Israel channeling familiar spirits didn't amount to much fun and games for Saul. And as Pastor Xavier opens to 1 Samuel chapter 28 today, we'll see how spirit mediums are not channels to God or of God, but of Satan. Let's listen. As we look around our world and we look around, especially with all the events and practices that go on today, we can see that the occult is very accepted today, and it has been for a good number of decades. Often the occult is presented as a search for God, the next life hereafter, endeavoring to communicate with either dead people or E.T. or whatever it is. And it goes beyond the natural senses, the five senses. And the Bible tells us the existence of God and Satan, as well as the void that God has placed in the heart of man that can only be filled by God. And man tries to fill this void in any other ways, and this is one of the worst ways he can do it, through the occult. Now, there are only two possibilities that that can happen. Either you're going to be filled by the Spirit of God, your body will be His temple, or you will belong to Satan, and in the kingdom of Satan, some will be possessed by demons. Not everybody is. But the Bible says there's the children of God and the children of Satan. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I ask you to pay real close attention to what we're going to say this morning. We're not saying that you're demon-possessed. We're saying that if you don't know Jesus Christ, then you do not belong to God. That's what the Bible says. There's no nine ways to say that. That's just the way it is. And the Bible says it very clear. Now, Jesus warned his disciples about false prophets and false Christs to come. And the reason being is that iniquity would bound, would, would grow so much that the love of many would grow cold in Matthew 24, verse 11, and many others. And this is the sign of the last times. Now he's talking particularly before the tribulation and in the period of the tribulation and great tribulation. And the first words out of his mouth to his disciples were, let no man deceive you. Ever since the beginning of time, we are living in the age of deception. Since the days of Jesus, it's grown more and more and more. This brings us to where Saul is. Saul is having no guidance from God. And he's ready to go into battle with the Philistines. And therefore, he seeks out guidance through the occult. And it's given to us here in verse 28 through three movements. Let me uh, read chapter 28 here. He says, Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together to war. And the fight with Israel and Achish said to David, You assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. And David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Now Samuel had died, and all of Israel had lamented him. They buried him in Ramah, in his own city, and Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together, and they came and encamped Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together in the camp of Gilboa. 
When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart troubled him greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dream or Urim or by the prophets. Then Saul said to the servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And the servants said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. And so Saul disguised himself, put on other clothes, and he went, and the two men with him. And they came to the woman by night and said, Please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me one that I shall name to you. And then the woman said to him, Look, you know that what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spirits from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to him, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped down his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me any more, neither by the prophets nor by dream. Therefore I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. And then Samuel said, Why do you ask me? Seeing the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy. And the Lord has done for him as he has spoken by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord nor executed fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell uh, full length to the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, and for he had eaten no food that day and all night. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in in my hand, and heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now, therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservant, and let me set up a piece of bread before you, and eat that you may have strength when you may go your way. And he refused and said, I will not eat. So the servants together with the woman urged him, and he heeded her voice. Then he arose from the ground and sat on the bed. Now, the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she hastened to kill him. And she took flour, kneaded it, baked it, and leavened bread from it. And so she brought it before Saul, his servant, and they ate. And then they rose and went their way that night. Having no guidance from God, going into battle, he seeks the witch of Endor to consult her. It's laid out for us in three movements. You have here now, verse 1 through 6, the demoralized heart of Saul before the battle. Then in verse 7 through 14, you have the desperate heart of Saul seeking a medium about the battle. Desperate. And then third, you have the depraved heart of Saul judged by God in the battle. The demoralized condition, the desperateness of him, and the depravity, 
all having to do with this heart, ladies and gentlemen. Let's begin here. Look at verse 1 through 6, the demoralized heart of Saul before the battle. In verse 1 and 2, the perilous setting for the battle is given to us. The anointed king, David, was going to be with the Philistines. He's there. What is he doing there? We have to look to the previous two chapters. The Philistines were preparing for wars. It says in verse 1, and they gathered there together to fight against Israel. And the the Philistines here, the king of Gath, we've met him before. David went over in chapter 21, and he went there to kind of infiltrate, just to kind of hide. And then he recognized they had uh, recognized him, and he started acting like a madman spitting on his beard and growling, and he got rid of him. Here he's now. But now he's come and he's here with the king because he's run from Saul. The previous two chapters, David had made a decision to go into the Philistine territory of Gath to flee from the persecution of Saul. And uh, he's preparing for war. David's there with him. And David was expected to go to war, as we see here in verse 1. He tells him, you surely, you know that you will go out of the battle, you and your men. And David led Achish to believe that he was a true servant of his while running, as we're going to see, all these uh, secret raids against the enemies of Israel, but he would tell the king that he was killing Israelis. And and so he he was hiding and at the same time deceiving the king. And David certainly says there in verse 1, surely you know that you're serving what he can do. And so he's just telling him, sure, I'm going to go out to battle. But David put himself in a position that God didn't want him there. God never told him. In fact, the way that David arrived at this position, he made the decision to flee. God told him he was going to protect him from Saul, but he took it upon himself to flee. And by the way, he stayed there for 16 months. And if you look back at these two chapters, he was almost going to go into battle. The Philistines saw him. They, the, some of the generals said, well, he's not going in. And Achish asked him to go back. Fortunate for David, God stepped in. But... He put himself in a perilous condition. And so David had come in, that, in chapter 27 as he fled, deceived Achish, and, and God in his mercy was there. But he put himself in that position. We don't get any indications that God told him to go. And we have to be careful when we take hold of our own life. Now look at verse 3. The purifying of the land of the occultist is given. The period was the death of Samuel, which is important. And here now, Samuel had died. Um, Israel lamented him. They had buried him in Ramah. We've seen this before. This is the confirmation of chapter 25, verse 1. And it's, and it's important because of what's going to happen here that it's mentioned again. Uh, the loss of Samuel was great. Expressed in wailing, the instrument of God to speak to the king and that. And they buried there in Ramah. And notice the person responsible for the expelling of these mediums was Saul. Uh, he had put these medium spirits out of the land. And the word for medium means a necromancer, one who evokes spirit of the dead, the familiar spirits. A medium is a channel for these familiar spirits. Familiar spirits are nothing but fallen angels, okay? Familiar spirits at times are demons that need to possess a body, okay? So the only difference between a spirit and a demon, a demon needs to possess a body, but they're both fallen angels, Okay? Now, the word spiritus means to a knower, one who has a familiar spirit, a wizard, a soothsayer. These individuals seek satanic contacts for guidance, direction for the future. And we have them all over today. It's a very popular thing. There's not a bad stigmatism to them. In fact, you're celebrated today. 
But no one knows the future but God. Now, familiar spirits have information of the past and the present so they can make calculations towards the future, but it's always in generalities, not in specifics. Once in a while they may hit, but they don't know the future. Only God knows the future. Okay? Very important. Now, look at 4 and 6. The prospect of going to battle without God is given to us. The two armies are facing off, going to warfare in verse 4. The Philistines gather together. They're at Shunem, a city, which means double resting place. The city is located about five miles south of Mount Tabor and Gilboa. And the ex-king Saul here gathered all of Israel together and encamped at Gilboa, which means swollen heap. And the city is located on the mountain ridge of the southern eastern end of the plain of Jezreel. And this would be the place where Saul, Jonathan, and his brothers would fall by the hands of the Philistines, which we will get in chapter 31. Now, notice in verse 5, the effect on Saul at the sight of the army of the Philistines caused him to cower. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, the, the word there means to, that he feared, he, he inspected, he saw, he inspected and considered and as he did so, he became afraid. His heart trembled greatly, it says. And it describes the mental anxiety, and it means to stand in awe, to be dreadful, paranoid. The word tremble there describes the physical reaction, while the fear is the mental anxiety. This is the physical reaction. It's the same word that's used for the quaking in Mount Sinai in Exodus 19.18, the exact word. Now look at 6. The seeking of God by Saul was met by silence. At that time, Saul inquired of the Lord, and the Lord did not answer him. Saul had been self-willed. He had been proudful, intruded into the priesthood, as you know. He had been disobedient to not kill all the Amalekites. Saul had been rejected by God. The word inquire is a pun on his name, ask. He asked, but no one answered, Okay. God had rejected him. Now, he says either by dream or by Urim or by the prophets. The method of dreams, we see it in the life of Joseph that God used at times. Urim means lights. The other portion was Thoman, means perfections. But remember that Abiathar had taken the Thoman, and it's believed to be something that was put in the pouch of the high priest, a white, a black stone, a speculation we don't know, but lights and perfections, the means by which the priest would know the mind of God. And you have that in Exodus 28, 30, also Numbers 27, 21. And of course, the prophet indicates the person that was the mouthpiece of God. God would raise him up and speak. It was Samuel. Now, the prophet Gad was directing and guiding David, later on Nathan, and other prophets. Now, this is nothing new. When the kingdom was divided in the days of Jeremiah, Jeremiah had to deal with those in the occult. Listen to Jeremiah 23, 28. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the shaft to the wheat, says the Lord? The Bible is wheat. Everything else is shaft if it doesn't measure up. Very important. Christians are being foolish today, accepting shaft, chewing on it, and spitting out the wheat, rejecting the Word of God, thinking that they are intellectually superior. Listen to me. You reject the Word of God, you're on the wrong road. And it's a very crowded road to hell. If you're bumping elbows on the way to heaven, you're on the wrong road. The road to heaven is not crowded. Sometimes Christians, rather than trusting God, 
in seeking God, they make their own decisions, several things can happen. A believer can be in the wrong place at the wrong time, as you know, like David, being where he shouldn't be. And God will check us on that. A believer can, by being where he should not be, involve himself or herself in things that could destroy and ruin his life with his family, his wife, his children, whatever it may be. And um, unfortunately, God allows us to see that it didn't happen to David, but it could have. The believer needs to stay close to God and not try to protect himself. This was David's motive. He compromised. He rationalized it away. It's like the psalmist in Psalm 73, if you've ever read it, he's looking around at the unbeliever, the wicked. He says, man, these wicked guys, they have everything. They have cars, they have limos, their kids are healthy, they have all the money, they have all the solutions. I've cleansed my hands in vain. He says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, verse 17, then I understood they're in. They're walking on slippery poles over hell. He says, I was like a beast before you, Lord. Who do I have in heaven besides you? Who do I desire upon earth besides you? I will trust in you. You've got to come back to reality. You've got to go to prayer. You got to get in check again, ladies and gentlemen. The prohibition by God regarding individuals seeking the occult for life guidance is very, very clearly prohibited. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14 says, When you come into the land the Lord Yahweh will give to you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of these nations. He calls them abominations, okay? He says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, anyone who practices witchcraft, soothsaying, interprets omens, sorcerers, conjures spells, mediums, spiritists, one who calls on the dead, for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because these abominations of the Lord your God drives them out of before you, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you will dispose Listen to Sue saying, diviners, but as for you, the Lord Yahweh has not appointed such for you. Very simple, very clear. When God no longer speaks to a person, it is the most frightening thing that can happen. God speaks to me through his word, and he speaks to men through his word. If that doesn't happen, you should fear. God has given the Holy Spirit as Christians to convict us, to guide us. God has given the Holy Spirit to turn the light on the gospel on sinners so they can see their, their lostness and their need of Christ. And when there's no longer passion as a believer and you start living complacent and all that, those are warning signs, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? And you ignore those things, you're headed down destruction. Matthew 12, 31, 32, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven you, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven to men. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. The age to come is a thousand-year reign. There'll still be sins. There'll still be death. People have to repent. Not us. We're glorified. So it happens in this age and the next one. Okay? Some people teach that can happen here. Well, you're, you're contradicting Jesus. When people keep going so far, so far, and then God draws a line, it's over. You're on your own. The demoralized heart of Saul before the battle was his own fault. How did he get there? Listen to me. One step at a time. One step at a time. Notice, secondly, we have the desperate heart of Saul. Sought a medium about the battle, verse 7 through 14. In verse 7, the command of Saul to seek the medium is given. Saul, in his desperate situation, crossed the line with God. Uh, he asked his servant, find me a woman who is a medium that I may inquire of her. He knows better. Mediums are not channels to God or of God, but of Satan. 
Mediums only know the past again and the present, not the future. I can't say that enough. Keep that always in the forefront of your mind. Notice there in 7, still Saul was not discouraged, but aided by in his transgression. His servant said, in fact, there's a woman who's a medium in Endor. If people around you aren't helping you and warning you, get some new friends. If they're helping you towards evil, get away from them. Medians, more often than not, are women. They're attracted more than men. Not that men aren't, but the statistics are very, very clear. The word occult comes from the Latin word having the idea of hidden and mysterious. It deals with the things secret and hidden. It deals with operations or events which seem to depend on human powers that go beyond the five senses because they deal with the supernatural, the presence of angelic and demonic beings. And by the way, there's always an association with drugs. I'm talking about all cult, O-C-C-U-L-T, that deals with demonic activity. There's always pharmacia, pharmaceuticals involved. The name of Endor means fountain of door, nine or ten miles north of Galboa, but only two to three miles northeast of the Philistine camp. So here is Saul, here is Saul, here's the Philistines, here's Endor, and he is going to risk going into em- behind enemy lines because he, want- he is so deceived. And yet he freaked out. The dumb things you will do when you lean to your understanding and you're no longer walking with God. His fear was he didn't know what was going to happen. He reasoned it away illogically. Now look at 8 through 10. The meeting with Saul and the medium is given to us. And aid, the journey and arrival is given to us to Endor there. They went deceptively and under the cover of night. He disguised himself, put other clothes. And he and the two men went and they came to the woman by night. No coincidence. The deceiver goes to one who deceives. Night is no coincidence. The occult always works mostly in the night. It's a world of darkness. It's evil. He disguised himself to deceive, but this woman was a professional deceiver. Notice the man Saul made his request in verse 8 there to call a familiar spirit. And he said, please conduct a seance for me. Who is this guy? He's the king that was anointed by God, filled with the spirit, and given a group of men to surround him and to help him rule. The word seance means invoking spirits of the dead, necromancy. To call up the dead, a particular person. He says, and bring me up, and, and, uh, and, and bring up for who? For me, the one I shall name to you. Now notice the nine, the precautions concern the woman. She's a little hesitant, cautious here. She mentions Saul's expulsion of mediums. Then the woman said to him, look, you know that what Saul has done, he's cut off all the mediums and spirits in the land. And she questions their attempt to endanger her. Why then do you lay a snare for my life? to cause me to die. And the king said to her, do not be afraid. He can't freak out. No, it's okay, don't freak out. And the necromancer was asked by Saul, what did you see? Although it's not our intention to add to the drama of the narrative here in 1 Samuel chapter 28, 
we do need to break in as we're just about out of time for today. As you can imagine, there's much more to come next time as we rejoin Saul at his meeting with the Witch of Endor. Now, you can hear this program again for any part you may have missed simply by logging on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com and locating the radio listings link. You can pick up a CD copy of this message as well. And the title you want to ask for is Saul and the Witch of Endor. As usual, it's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to a friend in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Saul and the Witch of Endor, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com